This episode of the Disney Film Project podcast is brought to you by touringplans.com. It is the one-stop shop on the internet for figuring out how you are going to plan your Disney vacation, Disneyland or Disney World, it doesn't matter. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, you want to figure out how to get there and not wait in line? This is how you do it, touringplans.com. Disneyland, you're trying to figure out how to get out there and how to navigate all the cool new stuff like Cars Land and Buena Vista Street and all that great stuff without having to wait in line? Touringplans.com. You can optimize your touring plans, check the crowd calendar, do all kinds of great stuff. Make sure you check that out over at touringplans.com. They're the sponsor of this week's episode of the Disney Film Project Podcast. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company. Marvel, Pixar, Disney Toon Studios, Lucasfilm, all the way back to the classics. We talk about things released by the Walt Disney Company here on this program and over at DisneyFilmProject.com. I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, host of the show, and along with the folks you are about to meet, we run DisneyFilmProject.com, where you can find Blu-ray and DVD reviews, show notes for this very podcast, reviews dating all the way back to the 1920s, uh, the films, that is, not the reviews. We did not have the internet back in the 1920s, but you can find all this great content um, over at DisneyFilmProject.com. And the folks I am about to introduce you to, they help me run DisneyFilmProject.com. In fact, they do the majority of the work, so you should pat them on the back next time you see them. First of all, we have the Blue Ribbon Prize winner from the 1903 County Fair, Mr. Todd Perlmutter. Yes, I stole that prize from that black sheep. And you're proud of it. That's the part that really burns me up, is that you're proud of it. Yeah, well, you know, I, I dressed better. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Um... Also joining us, the Internet's own Rachel Kolb. I call her that because she writes for 7,053 websites. <laughs> Thank you for that introduction. Yes, um, just FYI, I did some coverage for New York Comic Con. So whenever you are listening to this, uh, you can check that over on JustPressPlay.net. There's some great stuff on Big Hero 6 and Tomorrowland and a bunch of really awesome cosplayers from New York Comic Con, including some baby Groots. And it's all very good because I've now finally read it all. So you should go check it out. Uh, And, of course, our fine producer who uh, makes this show happen, keeps us on schedule, on time, on budget, because we don't have one. Uh, That is Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who you can find at about.me slash Cheryl P3. How are you, Cheryl? Well, I would have a budget if we had entered in maybe Jasper and disguised him as a lamb. And and then have him win the prize at the county fair. I'm going to the county fair. There you go. I think he's ready. I am. (laughs) All right. So today, tonight, wherever, what time it is that you're listening to this show, we are talking about the 1948 Disney film, So Dear to My Heart, uh, the first Disney film featuring live action. Uh, I say featuring live action because the majority of it is live action. There is quite a bit of animation in it because – Uh, If you read anything about the film, the Disney studio people were very concerned that they would not be able to sell a film with Disney in it to distributors unless it had 
animation in it. Uh, so that is the reason for having it, and it was Disney trying to branch out, and as we well know, they would soon become a live-action studio as well as an animation studio. But this is a historic film from 1948 with So Dear to My Heart. Um, yeah, uh, had had you guys ever seen this before? Because I recommended it. I'm curious, have, had any of you guys ever seen this? Yes. I had never seen this. I also had never seen this. So, so what did you to Cheryl and Rachel? What did you expect, and what did you without reading it? What do you think after watching it? Um, honestly, just looking at the cover and the little bit that I read about it, I expected a mostly live action, little bit of animation movie, something similar to Song of the South, also with the era that it came out in, um, and. Without giving my rating, I'm I'm glad that I watched it. What about you, Cheryl? Well, um, I had no idea about this movie. All I knew was that lamb. That's all I knew. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> even look it up or anything. I'm just like, okay, Ryan tells me a lamb. I'm I'm okay. I'll go there. But my problem, and I'll say this later, my problem with is that you don't get there quick enough. And I think that Ryan at least owes me 13 minutes of my life back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so for for me, like this was one when I first started doing the blog uh, and going through the movies I got to, and I was like, I have no idea what this is, uh, and I saw it, and like you, Rachel, I was like really happy that I did because I actually enjoy I enjoy this quite a bit. Um, like Cheryl said, there's there are some pieces of this film that you're like, I don't know why it's here, but the live action sequences in an odd twist are actually. To my mind, I really love the live action, and I wish they would just condense it down to about a 50-minute, you know, Wonderful World of Disney episode and get rid of all the animation. Yeah. Well, that's what it was originally basically intended to be, so... Right. So, uh, the, the movie is based on a, a children's book uh, by Sterling North called Midnight in Jeremiah. Um, he published that in 1943. Sterling North then... Kind of once once Disney had bought the rights, actually rewrote it into a longer adult novel called "So Dear to My Heart," which is what the film took its um, title from, uh, and then published a shorter version in Reader's Digest around the same time that the movie came out. So it's one of those. I, I think we talked about this with a couple of the other films of this era. It's like Disney bought the rights to the story, and then the author reworked it to advertise the story and to sell more books. And it's like synergy before there was actually synergy. <laughs> there was a lot of uh, synergy, as they said. I can talk about some of the synergy. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, – once Disney bought it, they had Dell Novel number 291, which, was, which is a novelization of the story as so dear to my heart, the movie version, not the one that was rewritten. Uh, then there's Golden Storybook GS12, which is actually famous and well sought because it is Bill Pete's first storybook for children yes it is okay so it's very popular it's hard to find but it's there's etsy has a few copies of it for people who are looking for it uh there were also two record sets uh one was a vinyl record set which is the from the disneyland record set which is dq 1255 and i give these numbers because then people can go look up the numbers on ebay and they'll find it um it was released in 1964 alongside the first re-release of the movie um it however is a narration of the story interspersed with the songs of the story, but none of the narration or the songs are done by any of the original actors. Okay? Then Capitol Records also put out a four-record set that is basically the entire movie. 
plus some commentary. Never having heard any of them, I'm not sure. So yeah, I was gonna say that seems excessive. Yeah, Ford Records. Well, it's it's you know LP, LP Records. You know who knows but what they're. But not a lot actually happens in this movie. Like it, there's, there it it's is. not like yeah, there's not a lot that goes on. So interesting. Okay. Uh, also, like this is the first uh, movie in the theater for Disney with live action. It's also the first movie for Disney that was shown on TV with live action. Yes. So it, it has both of those for Disney. So, and it was really released again in 1992. Sorry, I said it was 1964. So. Yeah. No, it's uh, it, it's one of those that that is not been you know it's not like Disney has flogged this one to death. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't they don't uh, put it out all the time uh, on on DVD or, or you know show it on on TV or anything like that. It's it's one of those that they they rarely, if ever, um, trot out. So it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, it's it's kind of why I wanted to talk about it. It's um, it, I don't know. It's just I I enjoy it um, quite a bit. Just uh, and primarily because my whole family likes it, um, and the characters in the film are familiar to us. Uh, especially the grandmother character, uh, because you know, like my my wife. Uh, she says every time we watch it, she's like, that was my grandmother. Like she said all of the phrases that the granny says in this, like, she's like, that's what my granny said. She said all those things. And um, my grandmother was very similar in that way. Um, so yeah, I, I just really enjoy the film. I will say Cheryl, as you were talking about before we started recording, the film opens with a bit of animation that makes absolutely no sense and serves no purpose. Especially the scene <laughs> of the three wise men. Correct. Yeah. That made, like, this was, I had this movie during Christmas? Maybe? Yeah, there is no Christmas in this <laughs> no movie. Christmas, anything. I mean, there's, there, there is a lot of message about God. And as, as, and someone who grew up Catholic, you don't do certain things. Right. Like I got that. That that was fine. But but it was really I mean, I didn't get why it all I mean why I mean I didn't mind the little book. I just thought that, that we could have got the start of the book quicker and just started on the county fair page and we would have been fine. I, I think the animators were playing since they had to put animation into the movie. Because they're ba- like Ryan said, they were basically forced to put it in of their own accord. But there was no animation there. Well, it is. It's just it's it's done. It's stylized, so it's hard to tell because it's greeting card animation that they basically animate greeting cards that are all throughout the scrapbook that Jerry, the main character of the movie, is keeping throughout the movie. Right. You know, and and one of the clever things that they do is they go like into a card on one page and then come out a completely different card on the other page. So they're doing that thing that they later end up really using in Mary Poppins, the same basic concept with the sidewalk chalk. Yeah, it's I, – I will say that it is very interesting animation. It's very well done technically speaking. It looks good. It serves no purpose whatsoever in the movie. Like it doesn't, it doesn't introduce you to a character. It doesn't tell a story. It doesn't – um, it doesn't do much of anything, and it goes on for I, uh, Cheryl. I think you said fifteen minutes. I think it's actually like like 
five or six, but like no, it's... no, no, I clocked it. Yeah, she asked what time it was when they finally hit the barn. It was it's like thirteen minutes. I clocked it, Brian. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, but yeah, it, you're right. It's it's, but it's taking that classic fairy tale opening, you know, of opening the book, and except in this case, it's a scrapbook, which is a device they go back to throughout the movie. Um, yeah. I kept thinking, I was like, kids, this is a scrapbook. This is what people had before Pinterest. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. But I don't get boy scrapbooking. That was that that was something else I didn't get. And maybe maybe it's the time. I don't know. Yeah, I think boy that's more what it was. Well, my my grandfather had scrapbooks and he would have been, you know, he was born in the, you know, he was around this this age. Um, but he, but his was, it was like the stuff that we saw in the scrapbook of like the cards from the bank with the sayings on them and things like that, along with like, you know, he had in his scrapbooks of like, um, funeral programs, wedding programs, you know, things like that. Um, so yeah, I think it is a, a product of the time and the, and the location, um, this one's set in Indiana, but I, I'm telling you right now, it could have been set in, in Ducktown, Tennessee, where my, my grandfather was from. Uh, it would have been very similar uh, of a film, except there was uh, the train was the next town over instead of driving right through Fulton Corners, Indiana, which is where this is set. Yeah, although there is no real Fulton Corners. No. It's, yeah. The, the story of the town itself is really interesting, I kind of feel. Yeah. Right? Cause, because... Uh, they went to several towns that are in the region, but they had this train track that was seldom used, so they built the town around it. And my favorite one was that to stock the general store, they actually went and bought out a store in a local town, completely 100% of all its stock, and then just reset it up inside the store that they built, the Grundy's. Yeah. Well, the whole thing, like the town looks like a movie set, you know what I mean? Like, it looks like exactly like what you're talking about of like, hey, there's a train track here. Let's pull something up. You know, let's let's put something up around it. Um, it looks very much like a, a temporary set. But, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really matter because you're this is very much a watch these characters interact movie as opposed to, hey, this plot is rolling all along. Although they do give <laughs> they do give you like, OK, this is where we're going with this. But it, it's very much about like, let's watch these four characters um, and Tildy is barely a character, but Jeremiah, who's the main character, and then Uncle Hiram and Granny, like, it's all about watching them. Yeah. Um, also, the town is also pretty famous in terms of creation because it predates Disneyland. And a lot of people look at it and feel that it's Walt's way of designing Main Street before Main Street ever existed for Disneyland. Yeah. Well, you know, the... One of the buildings from this is still at Disneyland. One of the buildings from this is actually in the New Orleans Square Railroad Station. On the other side of where you board the railroad station, the train house is actually from this film. Well, no, it's not the actual one. Well, there were – I know where you're going with this. There was, there, this is, there's a train – there's a barn. Go ahead and tell people where the barn is. Oh, well – what I had read was that the actual railroad station was the one that Ward Kimball ended up with. So he has the barn. Oh, he has the barn. He well, has Ward the actual barn. Well, that... Ward, Ward Kimball doesn't have the barn anymore. There's more to that uh, it, story. Right, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Uh, okay, I didn't realize it was the barn and not the railroad station. That part wasn't really clear to me because I was like, I read through that a couple of times. I wrote it was the railroad station. But either way, 
Walt wanted that building back, and Ward Kimmel said, "You're not getting it back." Yes. So, <laughs> so they so they built they took the a replica of it and and basically made it uh, for for Disneyland. Yeah. Yes, and you know where it's used. It's at the railroad station, right? Well, no, 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 no. It's used somewhere else. That's that's something that you see in both Disneyland and in Epcot. Oh no, I didn't know this. Yes, so it's this, it's one of the set pieces used in the Two Brothers piece that's in American Adventure and Great Moments oh. with Mr. Lincoln. Yes, 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 yes. Right, but here's the thing: Ward Kimball's uh, when Ward Kimball passed, so. And uh, John Lasseter actually bought it up and didn't take the railroad station with it, but set it up at his winery. So if you ever go visit his winery in California, you can actually see the barn there. Well, and you can also see um, the cabin that Jeremiah and his granny live in. Walt himself built a miniature of it. So if you go into the One Man's Dream exhibit at the studios in Florida, you can see that. Yes. So this was this was like I think you're you guys are exactly right. Like this was an important film to Walt. Like this was uh, having been to Marceline, Missouri, where he grew up, uh, a big part of his childhood. Uh, it looks very similar to this. So I'm sure he drew on a lot of those things for for making this this film. Um, so so let's talk about the story. Uh, once you get past that opening animation bit that we've already beaten. Uh, it's basically the story of Jeremiah Kincaid, who uh, opens the film going to meet the train. The train comes into town. Um, his uncle Hiram, played by Burl Ives, who is amazing, and his friend Tildy, uh, a young a young girl, Luanna Patton. Jeremiah Kincaid's played by Bobby Driscoll, who would go on to do voices and other things for Disney. Um, they come to meet the train, and coming out of the train is the champion racehorse, Dan Patch. Yes. And Uncle Hiram manages to put a new nail in one of the horse's shoes um, and Uncle Hiram gives Jeremiah the old nail uh, and he wears it as a ring. And so Jeremiah tells Uncle Hiram that his new dream is that he is he wants a cult of his own and he's going to create the next Dan Patch. He's going to create a racehorse. He's going to train this horse. Would you point out that Dan Patch was a real racehorse, one of the most famous racehorses ever in the 20th century? Uh, actually held the mile record for the in almost the full first third of the 20th century. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, and I was reading some of the stuff that says that he earned almost $400,000 in his racing career, which is in the early 1900s. That's a uh, lot. That's a lot of money. <laughs> um, so – you know that's that's Jeremiah's dream is he wants to raise a racehorse. His granny, who's played by the brilliant Beulah Bondi, um, who is so oh, she's awesome, great. she she gets her own day on TCM every year, and it's one of my favorite days of the year. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was nominated for two Oscars for *The Gorgeous Hussy* and *Of Human Hearts*, and she's been in a lot of classic films, including *It's a Wonderful Life* and *Mr. Smith Goes to Washington*. And for this movie, she went a little bit method and actually learned how to care for sheep, plow a field, spin wool, and work a loom. Yeah, one of the interesting things as well. It, it, she's playing basically uh, also a grandmother, like she did in it, *It's a Wonderful Life*. She played his mom, right? Yeah, and it's a wonderful life. Yep. And but one of the things is apparently she's been playing old motherly types since she was like twenty years old. At this yep, point in the that movie, was, right? That was her first. One. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think she's fifty-four in this movie, or something like that, roughly. Yeah, and yep. she, so, she looks older than that. Yes. 
for sure. But part of that could be the clothes they put her in. Yeah, true. Fair yeah. enough. Well, and the way she plays the the character too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Jeremiah wants this wants to have a racehorse. He's helping Granny with all of her chores and things. She's trying to talk him out of uh, of doing this. And they they finally go out to check on the the sheep to see if the new sheep have been born out in the barn. And it turns out there's one black sheep, literally coal black sheep, uh, a lamb that the mother will not feed. And so Jeremiah takes it upon himself to try to save the lamb, takes it into the house to, to feed it. Um, and granny just about loses her mind. (laughs) (laughs) She's so mean. (laughs) But like, if you, if you know a grandmother, like, like again, like both mine and, and Sally's grandmother, you know, grew up on farms and, and did all this kind of stuff. Like, this is exactly what would happen because they're like that sheep doesn't serve any purpose. It don't need to be yep. in the house, you know, like all of that. Yeah. Well, this is a scene that firmly cemented that this character is basically Marilla from Anne of Green Gables. Um, I don't yes. know if any of you guys have watched that, but I mean, everything about her, she is just that character. Yeah. No, that's a good call. I didn't well, think of that. Well, well, being negative, I love how she's actually like helping him. Yeah. <laughs> yep, which is again something that Marilla would do. She would be telling you when what a fool you are while still helping you. <laughs> yeah, true. True. Now, this is uh this is great. I mean, I love the granny character. That's that's a big reason why I love the film. Um because like I said, it it does remind me of my own grandmother, but I mean, this is exactly what would happen in this situation is they'd be like, you know, no. But then she softens because she's like, well, we can't let the lamb, you know, we can't let the lamb die. We have to, we'll take care of it. Jeremiah bottle feeds it. Uh, And so then he ends up, you know, keeping the lamb. uh, And we get another animation bit where Jeremiah takes the picture of Dan Patch out of his scrapbook and actually puts a picture of Danny, the lamb, uh, as he now calls him, in the scrapbook. And the the wise old owl that's on the Farmer's Trust and Savings postcard (laughs) comes to life and starts singing the song about you got to do the best with what you've got. Yep. Uh, and goes through these little fables about David and Goliath and all these sorts of things. Again, like this doesn't really add anything to the story except for a, a, a cute little song. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely catchy. Well, and the I songs can... from this like went on and like Mel Torme and big name singers like Dinah Shore, Peggy Lee all sang the songs from these and, and had hits on the pop charts with the songs from this movie yeah wise old owl could have been like a whole disney series on its own to be honest i mean not that it not that it fits well with this movie but i think it stands well on its own yeah you know especially the later historic segments where they're actually like trying to teach kids things yeah when they're talking about christopher columbus and, and some of those yeah yeah it's uh it's crazy uh, but yeah, then we get all that, but basically what the owl's telling him is like, you know, do the best with the lamb and you know, you never know, he could be a prize winning lamb. Um, and that's something that will come back later. Um, the problem is, is that the lamb is not like calm, like a cat or a dog. It tends to break things. Um, and so like when we get out of the animation, it's basically the lamb 
bashing through the screen door, uh, and Granny's trying to uh, force Jeremiah to keep him in the barn with the other lambs. Yeah, well, she's upset that he's paying too much attention to the lamb and not enough attention to his chores and the things he's supposed to be doing. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I also wrote down alternate title for this movie, That Darn Sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, do these kids go to school? It doesn't appear that way. (laughs) Maybe it's summer vacation. It's not quite clear. (laughs) There's only 104 days of summer vacation. (laughs) And school comes along just to end it. Yeah, Yeah. true. true. All right, you guys, come on. Keep going. Well, it could be too. It could be too that um, you know, in 1903, it depended on the seasons when school was right. Like the reason why we have summer vacation from schools is because it wasn't necessarily good harvesting time, and so maybe there's something to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So he does manage to keep it in the in uh, in the barn. Uh, he instead, though, when when Danny starts making some some cries, Jeremiah decides that he's going to go and um, build a pen to keep him outside the barn. Uh, the problem with that being that he takes Danny on a leash to the general store, and Danny. Um, breaks everything in the general store. This scene, man, I when parents give their kids the 90-pound dog to walk, that's what this scene reminded me of. That No yes. parent should do that to their 40-pound child. Uh, no. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. He, uh, he, he breaks everything, uh, escapes, you know, gets out. Breaks the screen door. That's a trend. He keeps breaking screen doors. Yes, he does. <laughs> And Burl Ives keeps singing about it while he fixes them. Yes. Yep. Well, one thing I love about Burl Ives in this movie is he does this thing that I know I do in Cheryl, Dry Charlotte Wall is I make up songs about things as I go. <laughs> so the character he's pl- singing, you know, it's like singing about like, Granny's not going to like the sheep, la, 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 you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I, I enjoy Uncle Hiram. I, I mean, like, Burl Ives is the perfect person for this character. Yeah. Well, this is his first big movie role. Yes. Yes, it right? is. It's, it's also the movie that basically launched his, his singing career because his first hit single is the Lavender Blue song that he sings later, later on in this movie. So this movie is just a huge launching point for him. Yeah, which ended up getting nominated for Best Original Song at the Oscars that year, though it did not win. Sad. Sad faces. Yep. Uh, so the the way that this then works is while they're fixing the screen door, Uncle Hiram tells Jeremiah about the fact that at the county fair, there's going to be a uh, – you know, he could take the lamb to the county fair and judge him uh, – have him judged and perhaps win the blue ribbon and the cash award and even axe it out, um, which is just adorable. Like when he's acting out the judging with with Jeremiah, like for me, like this that sort of interaction is like what I expect from a Disney movie of like the forties and fifties. You know, it's just cute. It's fun. It's very enjoyable. I don't know. I just love. I love that that bit. I love some some of the other bits too in this film. I mean, it's a yeah. bunch of a lot of things in this movie are just little gag setups. But it, the flowing of it is well because 
there's not a lot of story outside of Jerry likes like sheep wants ribbon goes to fair. That's like the whole movie, yes. right? Yeah. But and that's that's it. That's the plot. It, it, it's not complicated. So it's about the interactions that become important, and then it's like just little vignettes of interactions constantly. Yeah. Well, you got to think too. Like the people who are making this movie are the people who've been making animated short cartoons for the majority of their careers, right? Mm-hmm. Th- that's what Disney was doing up to this point. They had at this point made you know a few longer animated films, but even if you look at Snow White, Pinocchio. Um, Dumbo, to a much lesser extent, that has a more solid story, but um, Fantasia, others, like, they're just gags strung together with some sort of overarching story, but not like you would think of with films today, like Frozen or, or some of those where, you know, the story is the main thing. Like, they're just gags connected by, you know, a loose-fitting plot line. Uh, and that's what this is. You're exactly right. Like, it's, let's come up with a couple gag. let's come up with a gag scene, gag scene, gag scene, and we'll string them together by the fact that he wants to go to the county fair. <laughs> I mean, like we said, this could have been a 45-minute, 50-minute Wonderful World of Disney episode. It's just that that didn't exist in 1948. True. I didn't even thought about that. Yeah. Granny, uh, like we said, that this is a common theme, is like Jeremiah is trying to figure out how to take care of the lamb. Granny is upset about the fact that he's trying to figure out how to take care of the lamb and not doing his other chores, um, such as doing all sorts of dangerous things with saws, apparently. <laughs> and so she's she finally gets tired of it because um jeremiah and tildy have this whole plan about you know going to the county fair and everything and uh don't forget destroying the house that's what i was about to say until granny finally you know uh he gets startled by danny gets startled by a train whistle goes through the new screen door that hiram just installed <laughs> Uh, it tears everything up. So Granny finally says, "You know, I'm going to sell Danny in the morning." Uh, and she's talking to Jeremiah, who lives basically. He has a bedroom at the top of the house, and there's like a ladder to get to his room. And she's downstairs, just kind of talking through the hole to tell him that all this. And finally, she goes up there to look, and he's not there. And she goes out in the barn, and he's like, literally, since he thinks it's going to be his last night with the lamb, he's sleeping in the barn in the hay with the lamb. And I just love Beulah Bondi's reaction there. It's just, like, awesome. Because she's yeah. just like, yeah, there's nothing she can do at that point. She has to let him keep it. But true. I mean, what the problem is, is she's, like I said earlier, she has this thing where she, like, constantly reprimands him, but constantly is on his side. And it's, she plays it in this weird way. Like, I, I get what you're saying. Like, she's like your grandmother. I can't remember my grandmother ever being like that. You know, so, but I'm an old man and I haven't had my grandmother since I was 11, so. Yeah, well, what I mean is, I'm specifically speaking about the practical side of a grandmother versus the the heartfelt side. And I think that's what she plays really well, right? Like, in all practicality, she is 100% right that that lamb is worthless. Yeah. And it's like, if they had all sorts of money and stuff, she would love for her grandkid to just have a pet. And to not right. have to worry about what good is this doing to our farm and, you know, how is it going to help us. But she's a practical person, so she has to, you know, just kind of balance the I'm a grandmother and I want to spoil my grandkid with the, well, I can't really because we're not really that rich. The exactly. other thing is we really didn't see parents in this movie. Yeah. and Which 
and I didn't even know how Tildy was related to him. Don't nobody, me, nobody in the world it. knows how Tildy yeah. was related. No to one him. has any clue. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's, there's whole pages of things that people have written blog posts about where people just don't even understand, like who she is. Is she Hiram's daughter, or which makes him her, his cousin, or some other girl who lives in town that Hiram carts around because he's constantly bringing her to and from places. But I think at the end at the fair, doesn't she mention her parents are there and you never see her parents? Her mother was making her the dress. That's one, yeah. That's, a, yep. that, that's one thing. But no, but like you never see his parents. So I wonder maybe if his parents had died and maybe the grandmother was play, playing both the parent and the grandmother. I, which I then think that's I could, exactly it. Which then I could yeah. understand her being a little bit more harsh on him. Right. Yeah, I'm. I, I agree. I think that's probably what it what happened. But yeah, you're right. It's never addressed. I will say that Tildy's mom was actually cast, uh, according to you know notes from the Hollywood Reporter back in the '40s. But there's no like she doesn't obviously show up in the film, and no one's ever from Disney's ever said like, oh yeah, we cut her out of the movie. But like there there was a notice in the Hollywood Reporter that she was cast, but she's not hmm. in the movie. So I don't know what happened. Interesting. So, yeah, Granny gives in. Hiram decides to build the pen that Jeremiah was going to build, um, and they're, start, they're talking about how are they going to convince Granny to take them to the county fair. This is my – that sequence that night of yes. him singing Lavender Blue Dilly Dilly, her singing Charmin' Billy, them doing the dancing. Like, I, I love it. I could watch it over and over and over again. Yes, this yeah. was by far the best part of the entire movie. Yeah, it's it's very enjoyable. It's also the scene that I think if you watch the movie, you remember better than any other one, like especially if you haven't watched it for a while. Yeah. Well, just the line that she delivers about, like, you know, I'm not a traipsing woman. Like, the first time that Sally and I watched this, we were both like, I have heard those words before. Also, let's face it, Granny and Hiram have a throwdown dance-off. Yes! <laughs> 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 and 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 it's a square dancing dance off which is the best part about it yes just <laughs> yes all the way around it's awesome it makes me miss square dancing like really aside like when i was a kid like part of gym class was that you would spend like two or three weeks doing yes. doing square dancing and i don't uh, kids do yeah. that anymore no they, they did it at least when I went through school, they were still doing it. I don't know if it's still a part of the curriculum or not. Um, but I just thought of something. What if the next, uh, the eventual uh, Step Up sequel will be Step Up Square Dancing? Oh, hey. Go, go after a new demographic, new market. <laughs> I like it. I think it's an idea. That's, uh, that idea is trademarked, Disney Film Project. You know, Granny, Granny does, you know, say that, you know, they could go to the country fair. Uh, it does seem like it could happen, but they just don't have the money. Um, and Jeremiah says, well, if we can raise the money, we can go. And she's like, yeah, but that's not going to happen. Um, and so Jeremiah gets discouraged and consults with his owl again. <laughs> <laughs> this is quite the sequence. This, yeah. is, this, is the, this is the sequence I talked about earlier, folks, where what's going on is it's basically the educational portion of the movie. Right. And so they go through this whole thing where they explain 
uh, in animation, how Christopher Columbus stuck to it and discovered the new world. And my favorite part of that whole little sequence there is that he's sailing along and they have him going on the map and you hit the edge of the map where the dragon is drawn and then they sail right past the dragon and yep. find the new world. And I kind of like dug the way that they did that because they would like go under his fire. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's great. I mean, they teach you about Christopher Columbus and then Scottish King Robert Bruce. Yes. Yep. King of the I Scots. Had, I had to laugh during the uh, Christopher Columbus part, though, because I just saw um, last week tonight uh, John Oliver talk about Christopher Columbus and have an animated sequence as part of it, which is very much not like the animated sequence in this <laughs> did, did it have Christopher Columbus singing? Because that's what this one has. <laughs> It did not have Christopher Columbus singing, as far as I remember. <laughs> this, this one also has a singing Scottish spider. Yeah, it does, which is amazing. <laughs> this is the best piece of animation in this whole thing, the stick to ativity song. Like that, that, this is the part like, that actually does make a little bit of sense. Yeah. Um, and it would have been a great just individual cartoon. Agree. Um, so Jeremiah, you know, he gets some stick to ativity as the song says, um, keeps working, but he's not earned a lot of money until he goes to the general store and Grundy, who runs the general store, says, well, we're out of honey. So if you could find some honey, I would give you some money for that. So since Granny and Uncle Hiram until these absent parents don't care one iota about where they are or what they're doing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> they follow a bee into a swamp full of snakes and mud and nastiness and coyotes and the coyote sound effect from the haunted mansion from 20 years ago. If you ever remember that from Walt Disney world. And something he refers to as like a swamp hole or a bog hole that he's like, you better not fall into that or it's, else you're never coming out. <laughs> it's not quicksand, but what it is, is it's one of those, uh, it's, it's a mud socket. So like if your foot gets stuck in there, it's really like super hard to get out without somebody's help. That, yeah, so, so basically death everywhere. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But apparently he knows where he's going. Well, he doesn't quite because they're chasing this bee around trying to find the, the hive so they can find the honey. And he, they actually end up following a bird that eats bees. Yes, that was strange, but okay. I did that. I it mean, was. I guess birds do eat bees, but this kid knows an awful lot about nature. <laughs> Well, if you notice, neither he nor Tildy ever wear shoes in the movie. Oh, no, she takes hers off. There's, there's oh, that's a scene right. where yeah, she's yeah. taking hers off. He does not wear shoes ever, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, it's, it reminds me of the fire swamp from The Princess Bride. Like, it's like certain death everywhere. <laughs> but no R.O.U.S.O.s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but they do eventually find the honey tree. Now, they gloss over the fact that Jeremiah had to then cut down the tree, harvest the honey, get the bees away, and put it into two giant pails. <laughs> uh, Hiram did that for him. I'm guessing, but it's not clear. And I was like, wow. Um, and, and he doesn't get in trouble for like basically tracking Tildy through the swamp. Like The first thing my daughter said when watching it is, She's going to get in big trouble for ruining that dress. <laughs> <laughs> and no thing happens. Well, Tilde does not Tilde does not have a uh, big role. Uh, apparently, nor no. does her family. <laughs> 
Yeah, Tildy's just there to be like a, a younger foil for Jeremiah. Just like, hey, come do this. You know, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, they turn in the wild honey to Grundy, who gives them $22, so they have enough to go to the county fair, uh, Uncle Hiram drives Jeremiah home, when they get there, Granny's all upset because Danny the lamb got out while Tildy was trying to feed him, and Tildy has run off to look for him, uh, and they can't find Tildy, so Jeremiah runs off to look for Danny, and then Tildy comes back. It's like a bad horror movie. (laughs) (laughs) Hide behind the chainsaws. Yeah, <laughs> that commercial that's on TV right now. Yes, it's like it's like don't go chasing after her if she's already lost. No, Tildy comes back. Jeremiah's gone. They can't find Jeremiah then. Um, and finally, there's a storm coming. No, my favorite thing is Granny says, "We're gonna get her inside. She's gonna get. She's gonna get sick." And the storm's lightning. Yes, she goes. But Jerry will be okay. <laughs> yeah, Jerry will be fine. Uh, until she finally decides he's not going to be fine, goes out with a lamp to find him. Um, and, you know, he's like, oh, great, Granny, you got a lamp. Let's go find Danny now. And she's like, basically, you're insane, child, and I'm taking you home. Yeah. Um, and this is when this is when we start having the the blaspheming conversation, as, as I termed it. Because basically, once she gets him home, she says... You know, like, God's going to do what God's going to do with the lamb, and there's nothing that can be done about that. And you started paying attention more to the lamb than your chores. And, you know, Danny basically says, like, well, God can't have the lamb, can't have Danny, and Granny loses it. Yeah. And she 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 just gets all upset because she, she feels that he's no longer following her teachings and, yeah. You know, that's one thing we should note, and, and I think Cheryl mentioned this at the beginning, is like there's a very heavy like religious message to this that I don't think necessarily interferes with the with the film if you're not very religious, but it's just something you would want to know um, going in, I think. Agree. Yeah. Um, and so like that's the whole thing that happens is, you know, um, she makes Danny feel very badly about um, what he's done and uh, and, and the fact that, uh, you know, he's not really listened to her teachings about hard work and God and any of these things. And so the next morning, Danny gets up uh, or Jeremiah gets up to go find Danny and actually does uh, manages to pull him home. Much to Granny's chagrin, she thinks that he has basically ignored everything that that she said. Um, and when he finally comes in, uh, Uncle Hiram's there and Tildy's there because apparently she has nowhere else to be. Um, having no family. It's an imaginary family. Yeah. <laughs> and she's all excited because she thinks, well, now that Danny's back, we're going to the county fair. And then she comes back crying saying that Danny or that Jeremiah has said, we're not going to the county fair. So Granny goes over and it turns out that Jeremiah, after Granny had left his room, made a promise to God that if you, if he would let him find Danny, then he would not go to the county fair. As in, you know, this is not all I care about. I care about the actual creature, not about the the ribbon and the cash award. And Granny tells a little lie. I, I, this yep. is my one of my favorite things that she says the entire movie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that whole she goes. Well, I've known. I promised God that if you did find Danny, that we would go to the fair. And well, I've known God longer, so mine takes precedence. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Which is, yeah, it's great. And then she reveals, like, as Danny walks away, or Jeremiah walks away, that, like, she was not actually telling the truth. Um, so they do go to the county fair. Uh, they do take uh, Danny to the county fair. Uh, you know, Danny behaves the way Danny is wont to behave. He knocks the judge over. Um, <laughs> and and uh, another lamb wins the blue ribbon. But the judge stops Jeremiah and says, you know, because this is a black lamb, he's not like the other lambs. Um, he literally is in a class by himself. Um, he's he also done puts wise old owl. Yes, he says he's done the best with what he has. Uh, and they award him a special award. Uh, and, and Granny's all excited. And then they take Danny back to Fulton Corners and bringing things full circle. He's greeted much in the same way that Dan Patch was. When they uh, when they brought him to town, yeah. and he's allowed back in Mister Grundy's store. I I, I think that's a theory. I don't think that actually ever happened. Well, it <laughs> says so. Yeah, he, he said, has uh, he has watermelon and soda pop. <laughs> right, sounds but like I, a party. I don't know that I don't know that Grundy actually let him back in the store. I'm just <laughs> saying. I think he got caught up in the moment, and I don't think it actually happened. <laughs> he probably broke the screen again. Let's face it. <laughs> True enough. <laughs> True enough. Yeah, I mean, like we, like we said all, all the way along, this is a very, very simple film. Like, there's not a lot of story here. There's not, like, the heavy plot things of, you know, all these different things uh, that no you see. Villain. No villain, none of that. It's just a story of a kid that loves his pet and, and wants to do something with it. Um, and that's it. Um, but it's, I love it because it's just, it's a cute, fun, entertaining, like, I don't know about you guys, but other than the, the opening 10 minutes, like I never feel bored watching this. Yeah. Even though there's really not much that happens. Yeah, exactly. I never feel like watching this that, you know, oh, well that wouldn't actually happen or, you know, like I don't ever get taken out of the movie. I just have fun watching these kids, watching this character, especially watching Beulah Bondi. She's my favorite part of the entire movie. Um, you know, and watching, like we said earlier, you know, watching her and Burl lives play off each other, um, is, is pretty great. Yeah. And there's just enjoyable, memorable things. And some of the clips from this movie, you've people like to put them in like little montage type things that they do on YouTube and stuff like that. Well, and, and let's be honest, right? It paved the way for Disney to start making more live action films and making more movies, more live action movies. And, uh, you know, Treasure Island would come out the next year and, and it was off to the races after that. So, right. I mean, like it was, it's, it's definitely an important movie in Disney history. I mean, Luanna Patton, uh, and Bobby Driscoll would play in several Disney films over the next 10 years. Um, you know, so there, there's a lot of stuff that if you like Disney, I think you would you would really enjoy uh, if you've not seen So Dear to My Heart. So yeah, and, and again, it's it's the movie that's credited uh, with Walt going steering away from the idea of the Disneylandia traveling roadshow and yep. moving towards actually doing Disneyland. Yep. Yeah, actually, uh, MousePlanet.com has a really great rundown of So Dear to My Heart. A lot of the history behind it and a lot of the facts that um, that we've been talking about with it are all cited in there. So it's a great article if you get a chance to check it out. Very cool. All right, so I picked this one because uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit, so I'm going to go last on reading it. Uh, Rachel, why don't you take the first crack? 
Um, you know, I think I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this two and a half stars. I'm very happy that I watched it. I'm not saying that I'm not. Um, I think that there's scenes that I would go back and watch from this, but I don't think I would sit down and watch the entire thing, especially with, uh, like what Cheryl was talking about, a certain 13 minutes in there that, you know, (laughs) um, but I do really enjoy the uh, the scene with them all sitting around um, uh, singing together and the the dance off I thought was fantastic. Um, so for those for those reasons alone, I'm going to give this two and a half stars. Just a cute little movie, very sweet movie. I'm also going to go with a two and a half. I was on the cusp of going higher, but that the 13 minutes just like made not fun for me. Will I ever watch this again? Probably not. If they showed it on Disney Channel, I probably would, but I wouldn't pay for it. All right. Todd, what about you? That leaves me, huh? Um, this is like just a good little solid movie, which is kind of sort of, you know, echoing what you've been saying throughout. Um, I feel that it's a three. I don't have any particular, you know, dislike for it. I don't actually dislike the animation. I just feel it doesn't integrate well with the movie. You know, that's just kind of how I look at it. So for me, yes, yeah. just a solid three. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. This is a three for me. Um, I, it does hold a special place in my heart, like I said, because, you know, it, it, I cannot tell you how much, like, my grandmother or uh, my wife's grandmother, the granny, is in this. Um, and just, like, every word out of her mouth, it's, it just brings back a flood of memories. Um, I love the, I just love the, the, the actors. I like the gags. I like the way the movie flows. It's short, it's quick, it's fun. Um, it's not particular, you know, like we said, not great plot, not telling you all kinds of great things that you didn't know in the first place. It's just a good, fun, enjoyable Disney film. Like it feels very Disney to me. Um, so that's why I picked it. That's why I like it. Um, but it is, you know, it's a three, it's a solid movie. I do think if you haven't seen it, you should you should check it out for sure. Um, I have it on DVD. Uh, I bought it or actually got it for free from Disney Movie Rewards, um, and so I, I enjoy it. We watch it, you know, probably once once maybe twice a year. Um, so that was that was the one for this year. <laughs> All right. So if you uh, if you like. So dear to my heart, you dislike it, you watched it with us, or if you want to go check it out, uh, let us know. Um, tweet us at DizFilmProject, email us, DisneyFilmProjectGmail.com. Uh, leave a comment in the show notes at DisneyFilmProject.com, or of course you can find us on Facebook at Disney Film Project. Actually, I was tweeting a lot about this movie. A lot of people love this movie. Yeah. Um, I, oh, yeah. I found out a lot, of, a lot of people really love this movie. They really think that this is a really good movie. So, Well, I'm one of them. Uh, yeah, and so if you are listening to the show on iTunes, um, go and rate and review the show, or even if you're not. Um, and, of course, you can always listen as well on Stitcher or on Diz Dad's radio. So we appreciate you guys listening however you listen. Um, and tell other folks about the show. That really helps us out. All right? So uh, until next week, then, that's been our look at So Dear to My Heart. For Todd and Cheryl and Rachel, I'm Ryan, and we will see you again soon. But in a fight, he could whip the yellow lambs any old day of the week. You ain't no spring chicken granny. Now the road to fame takes muscle, lots of work, and lots of hustle. Because I ain't a traipsing woman in the first place. <laughs>